0: Welcome to the Glasgow Baptist Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Erdie Carter. We want to help you apply biblical truth to your daily life. Uh, let me ask you to take your Bibles and go with me to Matthew chapter, chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. As we continue in our series, Louder Than Words, it's all about evaluating our life and making sure our life reflects that of Christ, and it reflects that uh, of which for him. In fact, Matthew chapter 7, we're going to look in just a moment, we're going to see that Jesus has a conversation about Uh, judging someone or or in our world maybe being too critical of someone to a point where we we are not giving them uh, enough credit Uh, and so this week as I was was thinking about this text it reminded me of some some things that uh, Richard Deham wrote in his his uh, man sent by God book and in the book he's just he kind of just lays out some tongue-in-cheek things that happen to pastors along the, time, along the way where they sometimes get criticized for certain things. And so it's a little tongue-in-cheek, but let me show you some of them what he said. If a pastor is young, they say he lacks experience. If his hair is gray, he's too old for the young people. Think about that. <clears throat> if he has five or six children, he's irresponsible. If he has no children, he's setting a bad example. He can't win, right? If he uses a lot of illustrations, he neglects the Bible. If he doesn't use enough, he's not relevant. Mike, have you ever heard anybody say that? Yeah, Uh uh-huh. All right, one more. Um, If he condemns wrong deeds, he's cranky. If he does not, he's compromising. You can't win for losing, right? Here you go, last one. If he drives an old car, he shames his congregation. They can't even pay him. If he drives a new one, he's setting his affections on earthly things. Diem just writes in this book, it's tongue-in-cheek, just how sometimes pastors have this tug-of-war of of how, how they have to live their life because they live in a glass house. But the reality is, we live in a world of criticism, don't we? Everybody's criticized. Everybody, there's criticisms, not just with pastors who live in glass houses, but, but with people. In fact, we go to work and some of you have been cr- criticized because you're too slow. You don't get the job done fast enough. You, you, you didn't anticipate something. In fact, uh, let, let's, let's take a poll here this morning. Ladies, has your man ever looked at you and said, well, it didn't taste like mama made it? Do they, does they ever say... It's not as good as my mama's, right? If he's smart, he didn't, right? Now I'm an equal opportunist. So men, have your wives ever ever criticized your driving or your parking? Now we're getting a little closer to home, aren't we, right? We've always, there's always criticism. Criticism, we, we face criticism all the time. And what we learn is, is we've become critical of people. Steve Martin, the comedian, used to say, before you criticize somebody, you need to walk a mile in their shoes. That way, when you criticize them, you're a mile down the road and you have his shoes. <laughs> we live in a culture that just does that. Well, Jesus knows that, or he knew that of the Pharisees. Pharisees were people who criticized people. In fact, they looked down on them. And, and the word they, we use in the text is Judge. Because what happened was they would judge people, and they would think that people aren't good enough. They they didn't live up to the standard, and so they belittled people, and they they thought people that they were no good, They, they wouldn't make it. And so they never gave people credit, they never helped make a difference. What they only did was look down. Jesus understands that principle and so he addresses that in his sermon on the mount. And, and really the word judge here in the text is meaning final judgment. It's, it's the idea that you have decided you're judge and jury. They're guilty. They're no good. And while we, we don't do that necessarily, But sometimes in our criticism, people, we don't give them any any hope. We kick them when they're down. We talk about them. We say things about them like they're never going to amount to anything. And if that happens in, in your life or you know people who are like that, this text is really about that same process. Because remember, Jesus came to love all people. To give a hope to all people. And so, this morning, I want us to look at this text. I want us to evaluate just how many poles in our lives are causing us problems. So if you have your Bible and you're at Matthew 7, would you stand as we read God's Word? You're going to have to forgive me. I did something silly yesterday. I went to a football game in the snow that wasn't any good. And this morning, my throat's not letting me. I should have stayed home for that one, beginning in verse 1. <clears throat> do not judge, so you won't be judged. For it, you will be judged by the same standard with which you judge others, and you will be measured by the same measure you use. Why do you look at the splinter in your brother's eye but don't notice the beam of wood in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the splinter out of your eye and look, there's a beam of wood in your eye. Hypocrite. First take the beam of wood out of your eye, then you will see clearly to take the splinter out of your brother's eye. Don't give what is holy to dogs or toss your pearls before pigs, for they will trample them under their feet, turn and tear you to pieces. You may be seated. Here's your big idea this morning i want you to catch believers must develop a godly discernment to see their faults and help others while sharing the gospel catch this we've got to develop godly discernment so we can see our own faults and help others while we share the gospel jesus has this conversation with them and he begins right out of the out of the gate he drops a hammer on them and when he says these words in Matthew uh, 7, 1, he says, do not, what church? Don't judge. Don't judge. He comes to this place and he stands before them and he begins to articulate the thing that they had so well done. They had, they had come to a place where they were judging those people around them. Judging them on their economic status on their social status. They they had so many things they would judge them on and When they got done, they were of no count They were nothing And what happens is as they would judge people they would 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 put themselves in a higher class and put the other people in a lower class they would say things And they knew they were they were elite because we're good. Who's gonna say anything about us? We meet the standard. And really, what happens in the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus, through this whole time, is having this conversation. He's trying to help them understand there is a standard in which we are to live by. A holy standard. And he's comparing that to a standard in which the world wants to use. And the two don't line up. And what he keeps doing throughout the Sermon on the Mount is he keeps saying, here is the holy standard, and here's the standard you're living by. The two don't, don't match. And the problem is, that standard has continued into our world today. I mean, think about it our l- world loves opinionated people uh, we like to hear people's opinion we the dogmatic opinions we, we have tv shows that are strictly about opinions we call them cnn mbc uh, msnbc uh, fox news they're all slanted and, and please don't come up to tell me one of them is better than the other they're all they all have a slant. They all have their purpose. They all have a reason. In fact, even locally, we have we have people in the the uh, industry who is slanted so much that they're just trying to destroy and and not build people up. But we love opinionated people, so we listen to those. We hear those opinions and we think about it. We hear their opinions on politics, on news, on on music, on culture, all sorts of things. Our culture loves that. But here's the thing. When it comes to a person and their opinion over morality, the world doesn't like it. The world hates the people who are opinionated on morality, who who represent a moral code, who represent Christ. How dare you say that that I can't do or I shouldn't do, that I should only be with one woman or I should only be with one man or or how I choose to, to bring a child into this world or not bring a child into this world or how I, how I view uh, relations with another man or another woman. When those opinions come out, the world hates those opinions. And what happens is, is there's this judgmental attitude that That comes out to play because what they believe is condemning is just speaking the truth now when Jesus says in in 7-1 judge not lest you be judged what what he's saying is is not the fact that we're not to judge because here's the thing as believers there's a moment in our life where we have to judge and, and, and critique what's being said before us. In fact, if you, in, in a few moments, we'll look at verse 6. But verse 6 tells us, basically, don't give things to the dogs and the pigs or they'll trample them. Well, how, here's the thing. How do you know who the dog and who the pig is? You, you've, got to, you've got to discern and decide who the dog and who the pig is. We have to come to this place and we have to understand that as believers, there's a moment for us to have a a conversation, a realization of what's before us. We're not to just sit back and go, well, people have this opinion and I guess I have to accept it. That's not the case. That's not our role as believers. We're to be a gospel light. And when we choose not to speak, we just live in darkness and we, or we let darkness take over and we allow the world to continue going in the wrong direction. I mean, we're to, we to call out right and wrong. I mean, think of it, think of it this way. If, if you were at the playground with your grandchildren or your children and a strange dog came over and grabbed your child or your grandchild by the pant leg and started pulling it away, what would you do? Well, I guess the dog wants to play with the child. Let's just let them take them over there. Is that what you would do? Or would you get up and you would shoo the dog away? You'd help your grandchild to know or your child to know it's not safe. We live in a culture that rather than speaking up, what we do is we let things continue we let things continue down a path we don't speak up well you know they want to live together or they want to have sex before they're married or they they want to have this type of lifestyle you know i can't say anything i'm not going to say anything And, and and what we think is they're not going to hell because of that well here's the thing they may not be going to hell But what you've done is allowed Satan a foothold in their life. Just like that dog, you don't want that dog to drag your children, your grandchildren away. What we're doing is allowing Satan to drag them down a path. Rather than speaking up. Rather than making a difference. So we've misjudged this whole whole verse here. Judge not, lest you be judged. Pastors, it's not my role. I, 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 don't. I can't do that. And yet, at the same time, we watch a generation move further and further away. Listen, here's one thing we can all agree on: what we were accept, what we accepted in our generation, the next generation takes it even further. And we can point to history and see how that's taking place why because we allowed it to go on and never spoke up so let me give you let me give you some things and listen i'm I'm aware of the time trust me we'll be there a couple of these will take a little longer the others will go pretty quick but i want you to just tune in with me here's some mistakes we make first mistake we make is we play the wrong role we play the wrong role in this text the role that Jesus is speaking of is the Pharisees want to be the final judge. They are criticizing people, they're judging people to the point that everything else is done. They are the final judge. They know what the 613 laws are, they know the standard, and we live by the standard, and so there's nothing wrong with us. And so they judge people. And the Pharisees and the the scribes are judging them to the point that That there is no hope for these people. Listen, there's only one judge. And that's Jesus Christ. Your relationship with Christ determines where you spend eternity. Not what somebody else thinks of you. Our responsibility is not to judge in a condemning way. But to to judge with a discernment. With a heart that seeks to help people. To draw them closer to Christ. First John 4, 1 says these words. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit but what? Church? Test the spirit. Here, here's the thing. There are moments in our life where we have to test. We have to determine, is this truth or is this a problem? Is this something that's causing us to draw nearer? Or taking us away from God. What is it? And, and in order to do that, we have to have the right spirit. So let me give you two, spirit, uh, two spirits that are what we see in the world today. First one is a hypercritical spirit. Hypercritical spirit. Hypercritical spirit are those people who always find faults. Uh, they, they look and they, they see faults in people. They snicker when somebody falls, See, you know, they just don't get it. They're just never going to be good enough, or, or I don't know why they do that. And these hypercritical spirits are people who are in our churches all across America. They're people who just, who criticize everything that goes on. They are, they're finding different things to poke fun at, laugh at, nudge one another. When somebody stumbles and falls, they they are always looking for the worst in people. And they see that. Listen, hypercritical spirits are people who write anonymous notes because they're upset they didn't get their way. They're not looking for the best outcome. They just want to pout. And so they write a note and do sign it. But then there's, a, there's another spirit that needs to happen. There's the discerning spirit that we see. A discerning spirit is what Jesus speaks about. Testing, finding the good, looking for the positive. Discerning spirit realizes that everybody has a bad day, right? I mean, it'll, here, here's what I love for you to do. This is your part of the sermon today. If you've never had a bad day, would you raise your hand? I want you to turn around and look. Nobody raised their hand. So what's that tell you? We all have bad days, right? We we all have those moments when things just don't go well. Things happen. Discerning spirit realizes that. They're seeking to help, to encourage, to build up. There are people who go, I want to send an encouraging note because They've been in a bad spot. I want to I have a face to face to help them build something up. See, what was happening was the Pharisees wanted to act as the judge. And when you act as the judge, there's a few things you, you decide. When you're, the, when you're the judge, you know all the facts, when you're the judge, you, you know all the details. When you're the judge, you know the motives, and you know the heart. Sometimes we're quick to judge and we don't know all the details. We don't know the heart. We don't know all the things that are going on. I mean, think of it like this. Have you ever walked into a room and two kids were fighting over the same toy? You walk in, you see see one fighting going, I was playing with that. And you say, well, let him play with it for a little bit, and then you play with it. And you get ready to turn and leave, and the one goes, but he wasn't playing with it. He was done with it and had left it alone until I picked it up to play with it. Now he wants it back. And all of a sudden, what you realize is you made a quick judgment and not knew all the facts. The Pharisees were doing just that. They looked at people. They didn't know, there's, there's no way they know the background. They don't know a person's heart. They couldn't know all the details. What they knew was, you don't look like you're good enough. So you're not. You don't look like you've got enough money. So you can't live on our standard. You don't act like we do. Therefore, you're not a part. And listen, the world has done that same thing. Jesus knows that this is a big deal because he comes to this moment and he says to them, judge not lest you be judged. He drops the hammer right out of the gate with this one. He wants them to understand there is but one judge and it's not them. It's not you. It's God. And so the second thing I want you to catch in this text is we forget about the boomerang effect. The boomerang effect. Now I almost called this the rubber and glue effect. You know the rubber and glue. Whatever you say bounces off me and sticks on you. You know that's the that's the, the boomerang effect or the rubber and glue effect. When we come to the text, we notice that in verse 2, Jesus says these words. He says, for you will be judged by the what, church? Same standard which you judge others. And you will be measured by the same measure you use. So, in other words, Jesus is looking at the Pharisees and says, listen, you're unjust, you're hypocritical." The way you look at people. The way you act towards people. What you say and do. How you judge them. Here's what I want you to understand. I'm going to do the same to you. I'm going to judge you the same way. And listen. You're not going to live up to it. The Pharisees never got that it's all about a relationship. Not a bunch of rules. And so jesus talks to them and reminds them that hey these things that you look at somebody and and don't think they're good enough remember i tell you it's about what's on the inside not what's on the outside all these things jesus has reminded them and they don't ever get they only judge from appearances and so jesus wants them to understand there's this boomerang effect. What The standard you're using will be the standard I use against you. And so we have to realize that while we're to have a discerning spirit, that discerning spirit should be one of compassion, care, and evaluating for the good. Again, throughout the scripture, it tells us to, to judge and, and to... Notice what false prophets are there and see people for who they really are. So there there is a part of us who have to evaluate those things. But we should never do it with a mean spirit, ugly heart, a hypercritical attitude, but one with love, compassion, and a desire to see things happen. Because Jesus looks at them and says, I'm going to do the same thing to you that you've done to people. And then he he gets to this, the third point I want you to see that that causes us to mispose is we can't see clearly. It's funny, we come to this text, and and all of a sudden, Jesus talks about poles and particles. Particles, not participles. I don't even know if they had part No, they didn't have participles back then. Mike, you know that, and I know that. Anyways, particles. Poles and particles. You're looking at the speck in your brother's eye and yet you can't see the pole in your own eye. You can't even see your own fault. I I was thinking about that this week and I thought about David and Nathan. Remember the story, David and Bathsheba? David David sees this beautiful woman and calls her and says, hey, come hang out. Let's do something. And, And so they do and all of a sudden they hook up and he sends her home and She calls him up on, she Instagrams him and says, hey, listen, I'm pregnant. David says, by who? You. My husband's on the field fighting for you. So he calls her husband home and says, hey, go home and have a good night with your wife. And Uriah won't do it. Tries a couple times. And finally he sends Uriah back to the battlefield with his marching orders. The orders say, put uh, Uriah on the fiercest place there is and then back up. In other words, put him in front of the firing squad and then get out of the way. When that happens, he dies. David has sympathy. Oh, I'll just take his wife on in to our house and nobody will know the difference. What happens? Nathan. Nathan is a friend we all need. Nathan comes and says, Hey, king, let me tell you a story. Now, here's the thing. The king can do whatever he wants to do because he's king. He's got power and control. He can do anything he wants to do. But Nathan knows what the king has done is wrong. And Nathan also knows that if I just approach him harshly, that's just not going to be the right way. He's not going to receive that news well. I mean, think about it in your own life. When somebody comes to you or comes at you harshly, how well do you take that news? So Nathan says, hey, King, hey, I got this story I want to tell you. We got this guy who's a small farmer. He's got just a little little one animal kind of deal. And his neighbor has all this stuff, all these farmers. And he was having this banquet, and he didn't want to give up his cattle. So he takes this one. And he just takes it from the man, and he, he slaughters it and kills it. David in an outrage says, that man should die. He took from this, this one guy who only had one. Yeah, well, David, that's you. You've got other wives and <laughs> Uriah had one and that was her, Bathsheba. It's in that moment that David saw the pole in his own eye. It's in that moment that David realized He couldn't see clearly and when you can't see clearly you don't lead very well and so he has to take the pole out of his own eyes so we find two solutions here real simple solutions here they are first one we need to be honest with ourselves we need to be honest with ourselves jesus tells him in verse five hypocrite take the beam of wood out of your own eye Then you'll see clearly to take the splinter out of your brother's eye. Notice, he doesn't say, and leave your brother alone. There's still a part where we have to help one another, encourage one another, lift one another up, and help them know their faults. But before we do that, we need to evaluate our own. We need to take that out of our our own eye. And the second one, we've kind of hit on this one several times, but we need to develop a godly discernment in verse six he told us don't give what is holy to dogs or toss your pearls before pigs in other words what he's, jesus is trying to say is, is we go with the gospel just be careful for the dogs and the pigs are there they want to trample it they want to make it they want to make it something that it's not Leonard Sweet wrote a book, "The Gospel According to Starbucks." Now I'm a, liter- I'm a Leonard Sweet fan, although if you've ever read anything of his, um, it's a slow read for me because he's he's one of these guys that just speaks, and and I and I just didn't like drinking from a fire hose, and so I have to read slowly. But I, I picked this book up one because it was Leonard Sweet, and the second one was because it's the Gospel According to Starbucks. So. How, how do you, that's an interesting marriage. Let's, let's see what this is about. The whole book is on, on the relationship people have with Starbucks versus the relationship they have with God. Uh, people, in, in, in a day and age, people had a relationship with Starbucks because Starbucks, you, you didn't go to Starbucks to buy coffee just to buy coffee. You went because of a relationship the way Starbucks did it. Because the reality is, if you just want coffee, you can go to the five, uh, five star and get a pot of coffee that was put on two hours ago that's not the greatest. But you can get it for, for nickels on a dollar versus spending $5 for a cup of coffee. But what happened was with Starbucks in, in America was they took off because it's a relationship. And Sweet writes about that relationship and that that's why people spend the money and do what they do is because of the way they're treated, the, the relationship they have. It's not just something they do. And his point in the book is that's the way our relationship with God is supposed to be. We don't just do things, but be, we have a relationship with God. And that relationship challenges us and, and convicts us to do more. Well, in the book, he gives us illustration of Ed Forbear. Ed Forbear is a, a cupper. And you say, what is a cupper? It's a technical term for a guy who sips coffee and can tell you a lot about that coffee. In fact, his taste buds are certified by the state of New York. Now listen, we just talked about judging, so those thoughts that you have, you need to put them out. But his taste buds are, are, are certified by the state of New York. He can take a blind, you can blindfold him. And he can sip a cup of coffee. And he can tell you that that coffee was grown in Guatemala. But he can also tell you from a blindfold and a sip of coffee that he can, that that coffee was grown in Guatemala in a certain location at a certain altitude And harvest at a certain time I'm pretty impressed with that I don't know about you but I mean I like coffee I, I don't think about altitude locations I just think about where I can get the best cup but he's got a discerning spirit that he can determine all that and I thought when I read the book and thought about that this week was what kind of discerning spirit do we have Can we walk into a room and sense God's presence? Are we able to walk into a room and encounter somebody and and know they've had a bad day and our discerning spirit tells us we need to encourage them? Can we walk into a room and sense the Holy Spirit drawing us to people? Or do we walk into rooms and we see people and we go, oh, there they are again. And find the next person we can talk find to go, can you believe they showed up? Hey, let me tell you the latest that they did. Jesus tells us, "Don't, don't judge lest you be judged. What he means by that is, our heart and our attitude ought to reflect Christ. That means when we see people, we need to give them a heart that reflects Christ, a discerning spirit, an understanding they have bad days, an understanding that that maybe they just need somebody to encourage. So the question this morning is, what's your spirit? Are you hypercritical or are you discerning? Do you love people and want to see the best? Or really do you just like to gossip and carry on and talk about people to make yourself feel better? Jesus tells us there's a standard. The standard is simply this, to love as he's loved. Would you stand with me this morning?